So, discipleship. <clears throat> Prepare to be a witness to the world. Um, it's a question that uh, we need to ask ourselves. And um, we're going to look at a passage today where we see um, <clears throat> excuse me, a very good example of witnessing to the world. And I believe that there are some um, truths and some points from that that we can take for ourselves. If I'm honest, if I ask myself, am I prepared to be a witness to the world? I think um, within me, I think I must be. I have to be. But whether or not I am and you are, whether you share uh, the same as me, a certain reluctance, a certain fear perhaps of stepping forward and being a witness uh, to the world. Um, because I think initially, for me, I tend to think of speaking rather than being um, and it is important that we see being a witness uh, as, a, as a whole um, approach to life and not just in the, the speaking of the truth. But it is, uh, as we look at this, this passage, we, we're going to see uh, somebody actually being spoken to um, in the first instance. So, um, if you have your uh, Bibles... Um, the, the blue Bibles that we have for church, uh, we are looking at page uh, 1101. So you can follow the story in the Bibles if you uh, wish. Um, and we are going to be then looking a little bit at the background to the story um, and then applying it to our own lives and particularly the life of South Green, um, our witness here in South Green. So, this is the passage of scripture that um, this sermon is based on. Acts 8, verses 26 to 40. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. And who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptised? 
and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Now, the book of Acts is the second of a work by who, do we know? Luke. Okay, so this is important in the sense that we, we know um, Luke is, is one of the Gospels and Luke's first work shares a common theme with Acts. Um, for in Acts 1 verse 1 it says that the previous book, Luke, was about everything which Jesus began to do and teach, implying that Acts will describe what he continued to do and teach, but now through his followers. So I have to say, I was ignorant of that strong connection between the two books before. And uh, it's, it does sort of um, help me, help us to understand um, that we're, we're talking about a journey here. Um, and the movement of Luke is towards Jerusalem, whereas Acts moves broadly in the opposite direction. It's talking about the message of Jesus Christ going out to the ends of the earth as it was known at that time. Um, and it finishes, the book of Acts finishes with Paul preaching in Rome, Acts 28, 17-31. Acts covers a considerable range of ideas and cultures in its pages, but all focused on telling what God did to take the message of Jesus to the then known world. So before the account of Philip meeting the Ethiopian eunuch, what had happened in the new church and who was this Philip? If we think of the context of this meeting, we will have clues as to how we can use the illustration to better prepare ourselves for our own evangelistic journey as a church and as individuals. So, in Acts 1, I'm just going to give you a potted synopsis of what's gone on in the books, uh, in the um, chapters of Acts before we get to chapter 8. We've got the fledgling church in Jerusalem waiting for the Holy Spirit. We know in Acts 1.14 that they devoted themselves steadfastly to prayer. Um, There were men and women gathered together. We had uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. We had Jesus' brothers in that community meeting together. Um, Excuse me. Peter's speech uh, happens in... um, uh, Acts 2, when he declares that uh, whoever shall call upon the Lord will be saved. But before that, um, we have the coming of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, um, which we celebrated last week, of course. The infilling of the Holy Spirit and people from every country under heaven hearing their own dialect, which I think is an important part because God's 
heart was to be known everywhere. We learned that souls were added to the church, 3,000 souls in uh, Acts 2 verse 41. There was constant praise to God, verse 47, and a sense of awe. Then we move on, the the disciples go out and about and they perform uh, miracles. We have in Acts 3, uh, Peter and John healing the cripple at the gate of the temple called Beautiful. Um, They are then seized by the high priests and the Sadducees. I once heard a rather silly joke about the Sadducees. They're sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection. It goes something like that, I think. Um, but they're, they're less than happy about uh, this proclamation that Jesus has come to the world, Jesus has risen. Um, and we know in, in Acts 4, they are flung into prison, but their numbers grew to about 5,000. So despite um, this persecution that was going on, despite the opposition, there is growth. And although we might think, yes, well, they're all very, excuse me, this is a a phrase that's come into my mind, happy bunnies because they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, Um, they, they were confronting issues daily because they were meeting with opposition. Um, and we read what I love about um, one of my favourite um, verses is um, Acts 4 verse 13 where we hear that Peter controlled by the Holy Spirit it says in the Amplified Version he was speaking with boldness and unfettered eloquence um, which was really odd because he was a very ordinary man and the people around saw that he was ordinary They knew that these were ordinary people, but because of the Holy Spirit, they were able to speak with great eloquence and in a way that they never thought they would be able to do. Um, After their release, they praised uh, God and prayed. Uh, After they prayed, the place where they were were, was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit again, and they continued to speak the word of God with freedom and boldness and courage. And I think it's important to note that in verse 34 we read that there was no needy person among them. So not only were they um, galvanised into action with a passion to spread the word of God, the the good news of Jesus Christ, they were also very um, mindful of the needs of the people in their um, community. And I think, um, if we think about ourselves at South Green, we meet together, we have fellowship together, and that is a beautiful thing. We care about each other. We lift each other up in prayer. So we're, we're not dissimilar. And we come here and we have been singing today and praising God and asking for the Holy Spirit to touch our lives. In Acts 5, um, we have the telling account of Ananias and Sapphira, um, Sapphira, however we want to pronounce the name, um, a warning against deceiving the Holy Spirit. Um, 
There are startling signs and wonders continuing. Um, In verse 14, we read that more and more were being added to the Lord. And the word is spreading to the towns and hamlets around Jerusalem. People are bringing the sick and the lame, uh, those troubled with foul spirits, as it puts it, and they were all cured. So this is just a revolution of uh, power, uh, anointing of the Holy Spirit, and furtherance of the gospel. Um, And then we come to our first mention of this Philip, the Philip of the uh, story that we read at the beginning. Because he is one of the seven men of good character appointed to look after the daily distribution of relief to widows, to people in need. Because there started to be discontent amongst the um, factions, or not factions, the, the different groups within the church. There were Grecian Jews and Hebraic Jews, and apparently the Grecian Jews said, you're not looking after our widows, you're only looking after um, the other ones. Um, and this, this is not good enough. So the apostles said, we have got too, too big a job going out to spread the word <clears throat> to deal with this, so we will appoint seven good men excuse me, <clears throat> of good character, full of the Holy Spirit, to do this job. So initially, Philip was like a deacon. He was looking after the people uh, in need and allowing this allowed uh, the uh, apostles to go off and preach um, and meet people outside the church. Um, we learn also about Stephen, um, a man of intelligence, wisdom and inspiration of of the Spirit. Um, And then in Acts 7, we have that wonderful uh, speech of Stephen. um, goes on for many, many verses, recounting the hand of God from the beginning up to that point. Um, And then, obviously, we we have his death, his stoning. And we realise that um, Saul... Um, was there, it was at Saul's feet that the people who were stoning Stephen put their um, robes and things whilst they were getting on with the grisly event of stoning Stephen to death. So in many ways, as I've said, we have this amazing anointing of the Holy Spirit on the church, but we also have the uh, the Opposition, and um, at the beginning of Acts 8, we, uh, it starts with saying that there was a great and relentless persecution which broke out against the church in Jerusalem. Not easy times. And then we have the conversion of um, Saul. Um, he had caused the Christians to scatter, but I think it's quite amusing, really, that even though he'd caused them to scatter, they went about preaching, uh, preaching the glad tidings. Um, and um, almost, you know, you couldn't contain it. It's not going to be contained. The good news of Jesus Christ is not going to be um, squished down because of opposition. We see this, don't we, in countries um, where there is opposition, 
um, we see actually there's a concentration, there's an increased fervour. People dig deep. People are miraculous, I think, in, in just in an unbelievable way they find the power to carry on and actually their numbers grow. So that's a wonderful thought for, for us to hang on to. Um, and then we have um, Philip popping up again. And um, forgive me if this is trivialising it, but the more I read about Philip, and particularly the story that we're going to look at in a minute, don't worry, we are getting there, and uh, I'll be fairly swift going through my points. But um, he's a bit like a spiritual Zebedee. Do you remember the magic roundabout? People of a certain age will remember the magic roundabout. And there was Zebedee who was sort of like this um, jack-in-the-box. He would boing up here and then he would boing away and then he would boing back in the next episode. And unfortunately, he was a bit of a magician, I think, so we won't dwell on him too much. But Philip seems to just have been where he should have been, at the right place, at the right time. Um, And Philip has now moved on from being... uh, just the, the one of the seven looking after the widows and people in need to being an evangelist. And just a thought, a bit of an aside that occurred to me that sometimes through strange circumstances people's giftings can be found. So the, the reason Philip was appointed as deacon was because um, the apostles needed to be released to go out and spread the word. Um, but because he was chosen... Obviously, his gifting, not only as deacon, but then evangelist, came to the fore. And here we see him. Uh, He has uh, gone down to uh, Samaria, or gone up, I think. From Jerusalem, you go up to Samaria. I think it shows on that map. Um, And proclaimed the Christ. He performed miracles and wonders from time to time. Again, we read of this these foul spirits leaving people, healings taking place, great rejoicing, people being baptised, men and women. And Peter and John were sent down to join Philip, we read in verse 14. Um, They invite the Holy Spirit to be received by the Samaritans and then the apostles head back to Jerusalem. So, What can we say? What are the characteristics of Philip's witnessing? First of all, I suggest he was warmed up and ready to go. He has a daily experience of walking with God and knowing the power and leading of the Holy Spirit. We read in Acts 8, verses 6 and 7 that he drew crowds in Samaria as he proclaimed the good news of Jesus and performed miracles and wonders. Are we in this state of readiness? Am I in this state of readiness? Do I have um, a relationship with Jesus? Do I know the um, daily touch of the Holy Spirit on my life? Because he didn't have any more than that. We can access the same Holy Spirit and have the same walk and expectation that he had. Um, Another aspect of this warmed and ready state is the obvious working of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the Ethiopian eunuch, preparing him for what is to come. When Philip meets the eunuch, 
He isn't humming tunes and daydreaming and looking out across the desert. He is struggling to understand a passage of scripture. How much do we pray for the Holy Spirit to warm up those we're in contact with so we can have a godly conversation with them? Maybe I think it's unlikely that we're going to go around the streets of Billericay or anywhere and find people stood there reading their Bibles. But they may well be at a point within themselves of wondering what is going on, what is this God nonsense about. Um, Maybe they've heard something and they would like answers. So, in verse 27, um, we read that he got up immediately. He was immediately available. He doesn't question the spirit, uh, prompting by the Holy Spirit. He just goes for it. And he continues to do as the Holy Spirit asks. He was being told to go towards the south to a desert, which must have seemed crazy to him. Did he think he'd heard wrong? There was unlikely to be anyone around in the desert, hardly the place for a major work of evangelism. But he went without objecting or questioning. Are we ready to respond immediately to the prompting of the Holy Spirit without questioning? I have heard over the years of people who have that um, intimate relationship with God who are prompted by a voice to go to a town, go to a street and something miraculous happens, something There's an encounter there. Um, So I believe that it's a question of obedience and a knowledge of being at one with God and knowing the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Ethiopian eunuch is reading aloud, um, which apparently was common practice in ancient times and was especially necessary when words were strung together on a manuscript without spacing or punctuation. Just a little aside, really. So, it it was quite common to read out aloud. So, Philip then talks to him, because he's asked to talk to him. The Holy Spirit has prepared the eunuch to listen to Philip. And um, he talks to him with theological understanding. He knows what he's talking about. And we are called to in 2 Timothy 2.15, to present ourselves to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So we're called upon to to know what we're talking about. Um, How can we prepare ourselves for the sharing of the truths of the gospel? When I was doing a short time of study, we looked at Christian doctrine and uh, the, an exam we had to do at the end of that time was um, to, to um, answer, I think it was three questions. It could have been, I think there were 30 aspects of doctrine that we had to learn about. Things like sin, things like resurrection, things all pertaining to our Christian lives. And it was a very, very good exercise to try and encapsulate um, what we understand, what the Bible teaches about, what 
history teaches about certain aspects of our Christian faith. And to then be able to, to, to put them down succinctly, um, I think it's a very good discipline for us to think what we will say if we are asked, well, what is sin? Would we, like me at the moment, having distanced myself from that exam for about three, four years ago, it would be, wouldn't be sort of like very quickly that I could, could say that. I would be able to, but perhaps we need to think individually um, how, how we can best prepare for those encounters. Um, and, and just get ourselves in a position where we don't nece- unnecessarily stumble, but we're clear about what we believe in. So we, ha- we have this lovely situation, don't we, where Philip, warmed up by the Holy Spirit, in touch with the Holy Spirit, has made himself immediately available. He's met with this Ethiopian eunuch, He's talked to him as requested. He's explained scriptures and brought him to a point of accepting the truth um, of Jesus. Um, And then he doesn't just leave him there. He, um, okay, I've expressed my thoughts about him being a bit of a, you know, in, out, in, out, sort of move swiftly on sort of person. But he takes him through to the next step. It says in the passage that as they rode along, so he didn't just go as soon as uh, the Ethiopian eunuch became Christian. He took him through the next step, which was baptism. This was the, the eunuch's prompting because he saw the water and said, oh, can I be baptised? Um, but I just sort of paused as I read that and thought, we need to make sure that we are not just like soul gatherers, but we are ready to lead people on to the next step, if it's baptism, um, or if baptism doesn't come that quickly, to make sure that they are led to um, a discipleship group, a place where they can um, learn more and move on in their Christian life. Um, I do remember years and years and years ago, there was a, a young man uh, at the youth club I used to go to um, who came to us for a while and he became a, a Christian. But he did not last very long in um, continuing his walk. Um, and he did say to someone who had a conversation with him in the street, I don't know, a year or so later, that he hadn't known where to go from that point of acceptance of Jesus. Um, And that made us as a a youth group feel awful because we didn't feel we'd done our job. We hadn't encouraged him. We hadn't uh, sort of helped him uh, in his next steps. So then, what did he have? He had, Philip had an evangelistic passion, didn't he? He... um, wanted to, he had a, had a real passion to spread the news, the good news of Jesus. Um, and that included everyone. There is no 
obstacle to anyone coming to Jesus. If you think about it, this man, um, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch, um, the Ethiopians as a race were looked upon as the meanest of nations, weren't particularly looked upon pleasantly, um, stigmatised to some extent. Um, he was a eunuch, um, based on Deuteronomy 23.1, he would not have been admitted to the inner court because he was a eunuch. Um, there is no physical defect, race or geographical remoteness that can place a person beyond the saving call of the good news. Philip is talking to an unnamed Ethiopian eunuch, a God-fearer, a Gentile who believed in the God of Israel. He's a powerful man, um, he's a chief treasurer of a kingdom which is wealthy from its gold mining and trading position. Um, and he learnt that the message of Jesus was for him as it is for everyone. We read in 2 Peter 3 verse 9 that the Lord is patient with us, not wanting any to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. It reminded me of the sermon we had recently that Tom did about the great banquet and uh, the, the host sending um, the servants out into the highways and byways to bring um, people in to this banquet. Um, so what about the next one? You can see what this is spelling, hopefully, and hopefully my spelling is correct. I had a big bit of a nightmare thought last night. What if I'd spelt witness wrong? As you do. What if I got the wrong passage, etc. But anyway... He was sensitive to the next call. Um, in a way, we re well, we read that he was just spirited away. Um, Philip was taken out of that situation when he'd done his job. Um, and he was in such a good relationship with the Holy Spirit that as soon as he's, his feet touched ground in Azotus, he continued to preach the gospel to all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Are we seeking the next call? If we have been led to do something as an activity or we have been led to talk to someone and we know that our work is done, are we seeking out the next thing for us to do? And he sowed the seeds for the spreading of the gospel because... We know that the Ethiopian eunuch went away rejoicing. He went back to his, um, his uh, home town and we can only suppose that he would have spread the news of Jesus uh, when he got there. Now I'm uh, very aware that many of us aren't physically capable of jumping up and down and going... Um, um, many, very far physically. Um, does that mean we can't be good witnesses? Of course it doesn't. We're called to live a life of complete worship to God, offering every aspect of our being to him. Romans 12 verse 1 makes this very clear, doesn't it? May our whole lives be um, an offering of worship. 
and in living out our daily, seemingly boring lives, we can show God's love and when prompted to, we can tell others about Jesus and his sacrificial death that um, they might have life. We can all pray. We can all smile. We can let our lives show that we are in Christ. Um, I've probably said this before, and it's only a little example, but I think it brings, it brought home to me how God is interested in every street, in every person. As I was um, doing a bit of weeding outside our house, um, sitting there thinking, uh, Lord, I am a hopeless witness. Please bring people, please, please get me into contact with people in this street so that I can talk to them. And within 10 minutes, a lady came across and asked me if Martin and I would like to go to a, a quiz evening. Quiz evenings are not our favourite because we seem to do very badly. But what an answer to prayer. Are we looking for those moments? Um, and as yet, I haven't spoken to that lady about what I believe in. It's been alluded to. But there's a relationship being built. There's an opportunity. Um, we sang some songs, some really lovely songs uh, today. And quite a few of them spoke about the, the passion um, of, of knowing Jesus you know what a beautiful name it is what a powerful name it is um, we as individuals as a, a congregation as a church need to be in love if you, if you are in love you speak don't you about that person you speak about what you're passionate about I don't hesitate to mention this, but, you know, there are lots of people who are passionate about football and football clubs, and they talk about them. Um, I don't want to trivialise this matter, but it's true, isn't it? What's on our heart is what we speak about. So, going back to the beginning, it was because Philip was in that place of community. He was in fellowship with like-minded people he was praising and worshipping God he was reliant on the Holy Spirit that we can all have that and that's why he was able to, to be so powerful in the situation that we, we read about there's a song uh, written by Nathan Fellingham that we've sung on a few occasions and it has these words in the second verse. With every gift your mercy brings, I will work towards your cause. To share good news with every heart is your charge to those you've called. Your love is so vast, your grace so compelling, and all that is good is sourced in you. Now as I draw near, you call me to share in the wonder of all the Godhead's love. This is my worship, this is my worship, living for your glory, O God. In all of my dealings, let me be pleasing. It is Jesus Christ who I serve. We can prepare ourselves for witnessing 
by being in a good relationship with God, being in a good relationship with fellow Christians, calling upon the Holy Spirit to fill us and guide us to the people he wants to hear the gospel. We can ask the Holy Spirit to work in the hearts of those that we see on a regular basis or those that we might encounter in the street who God puts on our hearts. We can make sure that we know key verses which inform of Christian doctrine and give our words authenticity. Now, what I'd like us to do, just for a short while, um, to end our time together, uh, well, actually Simon will end with, with leading us in the song, but is to pray for some of the things, um, particularly for South Green, that are coming up. Um, that we can be a people of witness. So on June the 16th, we've got the South Green Fate, which uh, Martin has uh, mentioned a couple of times. And um, it would be great if we could have a, a few people helping us out with that, but more importantly, that we pray for it and we pray for good relationships with those that we work with on that day. On June the 24th, we've got our next community service, which will be breakfast first and then a a short family service. Let's pray that um, we have some more people from the community that come into that service. We're planning on doing some prayer walking in uh, June, July and possibly August, maybe September even. Um, Let's pray uh, for guidance as we do that. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to prepare the ground. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us and guide us clearly. And let's pray that just as the early church showed uh, compassion and met the needs of their community, that we uh, show compassion to the people that we meet, Um, not just their spiritual needs, but their physical needs also.